from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I knew with the power of four, it could be done. When we're writing about the schools, um, you know, we know the parents, we know a lot of the teachers. People who work here live right next to the mayor in Webster Groves, things like that. The businesses were behind us, the city governments, the schools, the readers, everybody was behind us. Daniel Hill, uh, our uh, music arts editor, uh, he was one of the people that we laid off in that first round, and it was, um, you know, brutal and, and like, like everyone just did some drinking that day, and then uh, came back the next day, and we're like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's do it again. And Daniel was like, I'm I'm not quitting. You can't fire me. And he wrote like a madman, and was kind of like the the rallying spirit that we needed. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last March, two St. Louis area newspapers announced they were suspending their print editions. Both the Webster Kirkwood Times and the Riverfront Times were, in their own way, institutions. One covers two suburban communities. The other has a contrarian take on local politics and robust arts coverage. But each had published a weekly paper for four decades, and the coronavirus appeared to be bringing that to the end. Well, it didn't. We'll talk to Riverfront Times Editor-in-Chief Doyle Murphy in just a bit. His staff refused to stop working, and they ended up not missing a single print edition. For the Webster-Kirkwood Times, the story is a bit more complicated, and joining us today to tell it is Randy Drillingus. Today, he is the publisher of the Webster-Kirkwood Times. Randy, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. And we're also joined today by Jamie Mowers. Today she is the editor-in-chief of the Webster Kirkwood Times. Jamie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much. So the Webster Kirkwood Times suspended its print edition last March. Jamie, you were a reporter at the time. Take us back. What was going through your mind when the owners announced that they couldn't keep publishing this print edition during this pandemic? Um, I think that we just were continuing, we were going to continue on in whatever capacity we could. Um, Myself and another reporter continued to be in the newsroom and stay in the newsroom um, doing online coverage, continuing, like I said, to work hard to cover school board, you know, school board meetings, city councils, things that were still happening Mm -hmm. in the community. Um, And we just wanted to do the best we could with what we had at the time, which, like I said, was online. But the reason that Randy and Kent and I really, really wanted to bring the paper back to print, um, we always knew that that's what we wanted. You know, that was always the goal. But the whole time that we were still working online, everyone in the community just kept saying, but when are you guys coming back to print? Mm. That's what we kept hearing. And so you had this this much reduced staff. Randy, you were the creative director and the IT specialist at, at the point when the pandemic just wiped everything out. Did you guys have layoffs? This was a smaller crew that was was continuing with this online version. Um, yes, there, there were some layoffs. Uh, I continued to work for a short time from home. 
I um, did some things on the website and set up our uh, donation system uh, for people to donate to try to bring our, help bring our paper back. And um, did a few things here and there, but for the most part, that ended, mm-hmm. um, you know, in late May. You, were, you kind of winded some things down and then found yourself right. waiting for the next step. Right. The plan was we were going to be back in two months. Okay. And obviously that didn't end up happening. I think we were all surprised by how long this pandemic dragged out. The economy didn't seem to be getting better. Jamie, you kept hearing from people that they missed this print edition. Did you talk to the then owners about what it would take to resurrect that? Um, well, we actually, all employees received a letter from um, the previous owner and publisher, Dwight Bittekoffer, in June saying that there were basically three options for the paper. And um, one was going to be just have to shut down completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one that was pretty viable was that um, an, an employee or a group of employees um, would purchase the paper. And so we just started talking to each other and we're like, we have to keep this going. You know, how can we do this? We want to do this. Um, our community really is behind this. And mm. so, um, like I said, I knew that Randy and Kent were going to be key in that discussion. And we just started talking and we just started making things happen. Hmm. So, Randy, I think it's a rare print journalist who doesn't at some point fantasize about buying the paper they work for, taking it over and doing it their way. But a lot of people get stopped at the point where you have to come up with the money to do it. And and frankly, not because these newspapers are so expensive, but just to keep them going, to make payroll every week, you've got to make sure you've got some reserves. How did you guys put together what you needed to make this purchase? Um, You had asked Jamie earlier about, you know, the plans on if we immediately thought about bringing the paper back. I had went into the publisher, the former publisher, while we were still open, talking about opportunities after we opened back up, because mm-hmm. I knew that things would be a lot different then, um, and people will have kind of been starved and missing real life. Um, I looked a little into doing it myself and realized I could not do that. Mm-hmm. So once there was the email about employees getting together to purchase it, then it all started working because we were able to build a strong team. Uh, and, and once we had that in place, we had all our bases covered. Hmm. So were you guys able to do this just by by each putting a little bit of money in, or how did that come together? Um, multiple things, yes. We each put some money in. Um, you know, there's, you know, various loans we had to take out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we know where we're sitting with all that. Um, but it just, I knew with the power of four, it could be done. Hmm. So loans, I mean, loans strike fear in the heart of people at this time in the pandemic. You know, we still don't know when this thing is going to officially end. And a lot of people would say print is a bad bet. Jamie, what made you guys so bullish that you decided, you know what, we're going to take this risk? Okay, print is never a bad bet. I I might be one of, you know, the that might sound uh, idealistic um, from a lot of points of view, but for us in our communities, print is where it's at. Hmm. Like I said, um, like I was kind of saying before, we felt like this was worth the risk because the community just 
kept asking for it. Mm. Um, you know, if we would have continued our online coverage and everybody seemed okay with that, or, you know, we, we just kind of quietly transitioned into that and people were, you know, people were okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we might still just be doing that. Um, but for our communities, there was such a demand for print, which was, which is awesome. I mean, I love print. I've been giving, um, you know, I've been speaking to journalism classes, college classes, high school classes for, you know, more than a decade now. And one of my favorite talks is why print journalism isn't dead yet. And I think that the Webster Kirkwood Times is just a shining example of that. Um, like I said, because when you have communities that support print and want to see things in print, that's that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference. And Randy, you're now the publisher of the relaunched print, uh, Webster Kirkwood Times. Uh, financially, it helps things a lot that people love that that print edition because you guys can charge more for the print ads than you ever could for online ads, I have to imagine. Uh, well, yeah, and that's been the case since day one. You know, online never has made small papers enough money to sustain their staff which is why so many have went out of business and so many have had to cut so much staff and actually has sent us to where we are currently with the state of news and we 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 didn't raise our rates we didn't do anything differently we just came back and mm -hmm. luckily like jamie said a few times the businesses were behind us the city governments the schools the readers everybody was behind us everybody has loved that paper or this paper for so long it, it was a great feeling knowing that people were actually going to appreciate what we were doing. Hmm. So, Jamie, I mentioned earlier this the common fantasy within the newspaper business of buying the newspaper from the bosses. Had there been things that you had always wanted to change about your longtime home there at the Webster Kirkwood Times? And then you're the boss. Now you could do it. <laughs> well, no. Here's here's the thing. I loved it before and I love what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. And Randy basically hinted at, uh, just hinted at this, we are, we are not reinventing the wheel here, mm -hmm. okay? We are, we are coming back doing what we've always done and probably hopefully even better, you know, we're trying to, um, and that is just doing um, the things that make us a great, community newspaper, which is our bread and butter, which is covering, you know, school, school boards, city councils, you know, and then taking those issues and writing stories about them, telling everyone in the community how these things affect them. Um, so it's not only the newsy, very hyper local community news um, that we report on that a lot of other people can't. But like I said, feature stories, amazing stories about wonderful people in our community that are doing awesome things, um, just fun stories. You know, I always say that everybody has a story and it's our job to tell it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. That's what we love doing. And we are so grateful to have a community that supports us in doing that. 
So, Jamie, historically, the the image of the Webster-Kirkwood Times has always been that it's it's a vaguely liberal newspaper. If it had a point of view, that would be it. In addition to all those community things that you talked about, is that something that you guys have sustained with the, the new ownership and, and the newly relaunched uh, print stuff? I would say Randy is really good about speaking to this, but we just we want to bring everything back to the middle of the road Mm -hmm. we aim to be in the middle we don't want to lean one way or the other we just want to be newspapers are supposed to be neutral in that we believe in just providing the news providing the information and then letting our readers decide Mm -hmm. randy has that been something that's been welcomed uh, by the community um, it has, it has, you know, it, it's one of those things with our, you know, mailbag letter, for example, one week we'll get a bunch of calls, uh, say from liberals saying, oh, I can't believe you printed this letter. I can't believe it. And then the next week it'll be from conservatives. It goes, <laughs> it, it goes back and forth. It Maybe goes a back sign you're doing it week. right. Just what Jamie described that, that well, you want to do. I, I hope so. And, you know, we've actually had some plans that we kind of have gotten waylaid. Um, but like Jamie said, we want to show both sides of the story. We, we won't publish any more stories about any, you know, really Democrat politicians until we have something from a Republican politician we can also put in there. Hmm. We, we just don't want to be one-sided. And that was one of the first things we really kind of all agreed on um, when we started discussing what are we going to do with the newspaper when we bring it back. Hmm. Something else I wanted to ask you about, Randy, um, sometimes you just don't realize everything that's involved in management or ownership until you take it over. In the seven months that you guys have been owners, have you found any unexpected challenges, something you wouldn't have even seen coming? Uh, every every week is generally a new challenge. And that's, 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 yes. just, that's just the truth. Um, we did have a carrier pass away uh, a little over a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had um, a big section on uh, the Turkey Day football game, which is the oldest football rivalry um, west of the Mississippi, and it got canceled a week before. Mm-hmm. So then we had to scramble, what are we going to do? So we ended up making a section highlighting what the schools were doing to, uh, to celebrate it, even though there wasn't a game. We did a center spread showing all the seniors from that year, and we just kind of have to roll with the punches. So there's always something we have to try to figure out every week. Hmm. So, Jamie, you were talking about earlier how people really miss this print edition when it went away. And then you guys took the plunge. You brought it back. Um, has that leap been uh, paid off in terms of people really are now coming through for it? They're excited to read it. Absolutely. I mean, without question and without hesitation. It's, yes, it feels, it just, it feels so good. Um, And I think we've just been, again, we live in a community that really does appreciate um, us bringing the paper back. And um, we, we hear that a lot. And that really means you know, that means everything to us. Hmm. It, it feels like there's so much hatred that's directed at journalists these days. Um, do you ever get that even on the hyper local level that, that, you know, you're out covering a school board and, and people want to talk about fake news? Um, yeah, we are not. Um, yes, we are not immune to that. But I mean, there's always going to be people that, you know, are still upset, you know, don't like what we're doing. Um, That's just the nature of the business. Um, Frankly, I think if no if no one was 
you know, if everybody was always happy with what, you know, we were doing, we wouldn't be doing our jobs, right? Um, mm -hmm. For one thing. But by and large, I feel like um, we're in a little bit different category with that. We don't get nearly as much of, you know, being lumped into, oh, like the media, you know, the big bad media, um, because we are hyper-local and we have a lot of great relationships and connections connections um, to the people and, um, you know, any institutions who we serve. So that that goes a long way toward that. You know, when when we're writing about the schools, um, you know, we know those parents a lot of times, you know, we know the parents, we know a lot of the teachers, for example, um, you know, people who work here live right next to the mayor in Webster Groves, things like that. So mm -hmm. because we're so entrenched in the community, I don't feel like there is a lot of, you know, that going on with us. Well, that's great. And, and Randy, I just have one last question for you. Just looking forward, what do you see as your biggest challenge as the Metro uh, continues to reopen and, and things start to kind of get, feel like normal again? Um, you know, I feel like our challenge is just to keep doing what we're doing without getting sidetracked and, um, you know, letting other people kind of tell us what we should do or what we're doing wrong, kind of keeping our eye on what local journalism is. And I think just keeping that angle is going to be one of the biggest one, because as long as we can do that, then I feel like we're going to be good to go. Well, we, you know, we've been we've been ready for the uh, Internet since 1999. We've had a website. We've done every kind of thing imaginable and it's there's no money there for local newspapers um so we're blessed that we're in this community with so many people that you know appreciate local news and love what we do and we just got to keep that going well publisher randy drilling is thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me and editor-in-chief jamie mowers thank you thank you so much and Randy and Jamie are both part of the new ownership of the Webster Kirkwood Times. It relaunched about seven months ago, and we wish them the best of luck in their newspaper journey. Now, it wasn't just the Webster Kirkwood Times that faced the possible end of its print publication last March. The Riverfront Times, too, announced that it was suspending print, but it never actually did so. Instead, it's continued to put out a paper for months with the skeleton crew and some staffers laboring for free. Today, many of those staffers have returned to full-time work. And joining us today with an update on this remarkable story is Editor-in-Chief Doyle Murphy. Doyle, welcome. Thanks, Sarah. I want to start with a little disclosure. I did hold that job as editor-in-chief just before Doyle. It's safe to say I wouldn't be here at St. Louis on the Air if I didn't believe that I was leaving the paper in his very talented hands. And Doyle, that was really hit home, uh, what happened last March. Um, we all thought March 18th would be your last issue. You had to lay off almost all your staff. The New York Times wrote about you, and they wrote about you as if you were a coronavirus casualty. So what happened then before the next week's publication date? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I have cursed you for a, a long time after that. So <laughs> leave me in that spot, but that, gee, thanks, Doyle. Uh, <laughs> Cut his no, mic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, honestly, I mean, it was like um, you know, at the beginning of the week, it felt like there was no way that we were going to publish um, that we, you know, that we were going to be online only for the foreseeable future. And by fr Thursday or Friday, I think we were like 
decided, you know what, we're just going to do it anyway. And it was a tiny, like slim paper of like, I think we had like 10 editorial pages or something, but it was just kind of a foothold to say like, we're, we're not going to leave. We're not going to quit. Hmm. Um, and we had some staff that Daniel Hill, uh, our, uh, music arts editor, uh, he was one of the people that we laid off in that first round. And it was, um, you know, brutal and, and like, like everyone just did some drinking that day and then, uh, came back the next day and we're like, okay, let's, let's do it again. And Daniel was like, I'm, I'm not quitting. You can't fire me. And he wrote like a madman and was kind of like the, the rallying spirit that we needed. Huh. Um, so you were thinking you were going to, you were going to do this with two staffers. It was going to be you and, and your digital editor. And then you have this, this madman, this music editor who says, I'm going to keep writing anyway. That ended up inspiring some other people to say, I'm going to keep doing my job as well. That That's kind of how it went down. Yeah. Daniel was the one that kind of went back like basically just kind of went back full time and we had a lot of people that helped us out um, when they could um, throughout the whole whole you know those first several months and we've been able to like hire people back Daniel was the first one that we hired, hired back obviously um, but we've been able to build you know closer and closer to full staff um, I'm taking applications now for another staff writer so if somebody's great out there uh, hit me up wow I mean that's um, super exciting news yeah, it's it's really been. I mean, going from like literally the the worst day of my professional career probably to um, to where we are now, where we're you know we're adding more pages back, uh, we're you know building new sections, looking you know looking farther into the future. It's it's really been amazing. So when Daniel said he was going to he was going to keep doing his job, he was going to work for free, other people continued to chip in contributions for free. I feel like we've all known publishers who might say, well, you can just keep doing it for free. Why not? Writing is so fun, right? Was there ever a trial balloon that let's just make this an all volunteer publication? No. Um, and we've really tried to like, from the start, if we could if we can pay anything for people, we were trying to, to get back to doing that. Um, it just, you know, I, for one, like you kind of lose a little bit of control. Like if you're not paying people, uh, of like, like, you know, it's, it's tougher to, to like make a, a solid plan. If, uh, <laughs> if everyone, if you're just kind of depending on all volunteers and stuff, I'm, We've had people that have been really great with us, but nobody can do that forever. This is, it's a business. Mm -hmm. People need to make money. People have bills to pay, especially during the pandemic. It was rough um, for so many people. So I don't think it would have ever been sustainable to like try to just to do it for for no money. So you guys did it with such a lean staff for a while. And man, I thought I had a lean staff when I was running it. I, I shouldn't have ever complained. Um, but you've still, you've done some really good journalism. What have you been most proud of in this past year? I don't know if there's like one particular story, but we've we've been able to really do some some quality work. I think we've, 
the RFT has always been a place where you've had really strong, long-form journalism kind of at the heart of the paper. To me, that's really the, the center of it. And we've, we've still had it every week. You can pretty much count on having a really good cover story mm-hmm. that uh, really digs into issues or is just a really well-told piece. And we've kind of had that come from all over the place. I and mean, we've had um, people writing in on topics that they might normally not. Uh, our, um, you know, our, our food critic, Cheryl Barra, is a good example who wrote a really strong piece about a lot of the uh, sexual abuse allegations that really rocked the grove earlier. And, mm-hmm. you know, not something normally that Cheryl would write, but she did an excellent job and um and really like hit hit like a crucial issue at a crucial time mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of people doing that kind of that kind of work throughout and i've been really proud to see that we've also had some great partnerships with um, you know 63106 project uh, a local journalism nonprofit um we've some national partnerships with um, you know the trace and the Marshall project to do some really good investigative pieces so we've we've had to get pretty inventive in how we do it but but I think the results have been really strong hmm. and on top of all that serious work you now have a marijuana section called the reefer front times uh, you had the, the breaking news yesterday that quick trip is bringing its hot dog rollers back <laughs> you continue to, to be the RFT in spirit and and I love that and this is something I find myself thinking about a lot Doyle but even before COVID so many cities lost their alt weekly they just couldn't make it work what do you think makes St. Louis different in our final minute here why do you think you guys are still here when so many similar papers have closed i think we, we just heard from so many people that like it's just a part of their life you know um even now we're, like it's it's a paper that people would read at the bar or read at the coffee shop or grab with them to go places so that print edition and i think it's just such like it's so ingrained here in st louis that i don't think people were quite ready to to let us go even when we thought you know at times that that it might happen um so people have really boosted us and you know now that hopefully be out drinking in bars and reading the rft again soon hmm. so they weren't ready to let you go but you guys weren't ready to let it go either isn't that part of it you guys refused to quit i think so and i think that's just kind of the spirit of the paper i mean it's it's not a traditional bunch of people um you know it's it's not like all j school grads and stuff <laughs> uh sitting around here it's you know a lot of like kind of working class people that have really just fought to to keep this going. Uh, Well, Doyle Murphy, Editor-in-Chief of the Riverfront Times, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. 
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.